Hello, and welcome to Turner's Talk, your source for all things Turner Syndrome. I'm your host, Katie Lee, and today I'm here with my mom. Say hi, mom. Hi, everyone. So this is a new podcast I'm starting. I run a few other podcasts as well for nerdy fandom stuff that I like, but this is my first more real life issue podcast where I'm going to be talking about all things Turner Syndrome. Now, I was born with Turner Syndrome. I was discovered when I was about five hours old. Is that correct, yeah. Mom? It was within the first day, yes. Within the first day, okay. And I grew up getting nightly shots, going on gross hormone, all of that usual fun Turner stuff. So, yeah, this is just a new platform for me to help spread awareness about Turner Syndrome, help other people share their stories, and... It's going to be a good time. So today I have my mom on to discuss what it's like raising a kid with Turner Syndrome. So mom, you grew up knowing that your daughter had Turner Syndrome since, like you said, I was diagnosed within a day of being born. What was that experience like for you? And what was that like emotionally getting the news that I had this condition? Uh, It's very emotional, obviously. Um, the doctor did come in. They noticed that you had edema, as, which is swelling in your tops of your feet and in your tops of your hands. And that just is a signal, apparently, that um, some Turner girls have at birth. Not everyone is born with that. So they immediately did um, the blood test to determine it because it, it was definitely a flag for them. And it's a very quick blood test to determine it. So I do remember very clearly, even 22 years later, the, um, the doctor coming in and explaining it. It's very surreal. It's very emotional. My, I had never heard of Turner syndrome before that time. I had heard of a lot of other, um, chromosome abnormalities, but never that particular one. So, um, it's quite, it's quite an emotional time. And it was, I remember it being very challenging to remember and stay present with everything that he was saying at the time. Cause I also mm-hmm. had you by cesarean section. So I was, um, recovering from major surgery. Right. So, you know, it immediately brought tears because it's hard to hear that anything's wrong with your beautiful new baby. And I didn't know what we were, what was down the road. He, he just started saying, a few of the major things that can be um, associated with Turner's. So we, we started our path to really learning everything about it. Um, I do remember my father calling and checking on me in the hospital right after I, we found out right after dad and I found out and we were in tears and emotional and he thought something was wrong with me and he actually drove rather quickly over to the hospital and was very (laughs) scared. Um, Your grandfather was very scared. He didn't know what was going on, only that something was happening. And yeah, so it was, um, it was memorable. That's for sure. I I don't remember, obviously, but I can only imagine. But if you're talking about this hear. on FaceTime with my grandma and grandpa, my mom's dad, uh, the other day, <laughs> mm-hmm. just yesterday, yep. as a matter of fact. And that's when I actually found out yesterday that I didn't know it was a blood test that determined it. Yes. I, yes. I thought it was like a different kind of screening or something. But obviously, it's good to catch it when it's early because you can be on growth hormone longer and, you know, hopefully replicate regular growth and development normally from the earliest point possible but 
It's also harder to tell earlier, at least back then. A lot has changed in the technology and their ability to detect it since I was born 22 years ago, or 22 and a half years ago. Um, I'm a 2000s baby, to give that some context. But it's really hard to tell before puberty, especially back then, the further back you go. And, you know, you go back and up until the 90s, basically, I've heard, it was really, really hard to tell until it was too late. And, you know, the big sign was not developing and missing puberty. Right, right. We actually feel like we were fortunate that we had an early sign. And again, it's hard to hear that you're, that you have a child who could have, you know, life lasting struggles. Um, That's really hard to, um, to hear as a parent, because if, you know, you want your child to have a, I don't want to say a normal life because that's the wrong way to say it, but I know what you you mean though. As a parent, you would take struggles and hurt on your own shoulders if you could to make life a little bit easier for your children. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just when you're born with a, with a certain medical condition, it is uh, it's life altering. There was a lot of things we had to learn. You had to undergo a lot of tests at five days old, which was, difficult. I mean, you were an infant, you did really well with them all. But again, I was recuperating. I was five days out of major surgery and spent hours and hours and hours on my feet at the hospital while you had echocardiograms of your heart and ultrasounds of your kidneys. And they were ruling out some of the the bigger organ issues that can be associated with Turner's. So they were trying to get all of these baseline tests and all of this, as much information as they could that they already knew um, was a higher risk for Turner girls. So we had a lot of testing done in your first week of life. So it's a lot. It's very overwhelming. I'm sure it is for the infant as well. It was for me as an infant. I mean, obviously, I don't remember once again. But, um, you know, that's a lot of overstimulation for a baby who just popped out into this world. Mm -hmm. So... It's emotional for everybody. Absolutely. I'm just glad that, you know, partially due to studies like the one that I participated in from the time I was a toddler to a teenager, that which was called the Toddlers to Teens Study, and it wasn't? Well, you it was two separate studies. Oh, so two separate studies. I thought it was it one. Was. Well, that's because when you started, you were only one. So um, the first study we participated in was called um, the Toddler Turner study. Okay. And they, they just followed, um, that, that age group up. Then you participated in the teens to tweens Turner study. So they were actually, that's what I was thinking of with the name. Yeah. They were, they were two (laughs) completely different studies, um, generated from the same, I mean, you had a world renowned doctor that Mm -hmm. saw you from the very beginning. Right. So we we put our name in for the study, but we it wasn't guaranteed that you were going to get growth hormone, actually. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. You no, know, it is a, um, I forgot what they say. It's a, it's, it's a medical study. So some people get the placebo and some get the growth. And so it's a study on, um, so that they can compare the benefits of the actual growth hormone to those who don't get it. So yeah, so you happen to get chosen for the one that got the actual real growth hormone. So it was a daily injection. Um, We had to learn how to use 
the needle. It was a subcutaneous needle. It was not fun to do. It's not fun to poke your child with a needle every single day. Nope. Um, it was, we took a little mild break when you were three years old because it was so, three-year-olds are hard. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I have a three-year-old a nephew now and my mom has a three-year-old grandson. So yes, it's, we're at, so we're you, at that yeah. stage again in our family. Absolutely. Three-year-olds can be a challenge. So we took a little break. You needed a break. We needed a break from, you know, the stress and anxiety that it's caused by getting needles. But it caused you a lot of stress. Every time you saw a doctor, you immediately cried because you had to go to the doctor so often. Oh, I didn't know that. So it was, that part was really challenging. Oh yeah. Every time a doctor stepped into the room, you would cry. (laughs) Wow. Yep. It took a while. And your doctor was very understanding. She always said, oh, don't worry. Once she's four, she'll like me again. Because, you know, one to three-year-olds are very, it's just part of their age group. Yeah. Does that mean my nephew will like me again when he's four? (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) Oh, my goodness. If he can stand in one place to answer your question, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I know. He is a crazy one. Yeah. So we took a a little bit of a break. We took, I think it was a... Three-month break, I want to say. Gosh darn it, I could have been four foot eleven if you hadn't. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there was a lot of things to learn. Growth hormone itself is a very expensive pharmaceutical item. Mm. Um, We took place in the study, so all the medication was free as part of the study. That's an immense privilege. Huge. Huge. I mean, we found, oh yeah, it was a great benefit, definitely, for us. Your medication got shipped to our home in refrigerated boxes and we had it all stacked in the refrigerator. It's a big commitment, you know, to do a study like that. And you have to, we had to fill out um, different recorded notebooks, recording various different things um, that we noticed certain things that they were tracking. Um, Yeah. It's, it is a definitely a big commitment. And we had to go to the doctor every, I think it was every, three months in the beginning for years for quite a few years it was every three months it was four times a year wow I remember it going down to twice a year for the study and for the IVs eventually yeah that wasn't until you were older that it went down to every six months but in the beginning for many many years you were there every three months I remember fasting twice a year and staying at my grandma and grandpa's house sometimes after we'd moved away and going in, eating after in the hospital cafeteria, which was always a treat. (laughs) All of these are distinct memories and like moments of my childhood that are very, very unique to kids with medical issues growing up around the hospital. But I feel very, very blessed that I was not only discovered so quickly and thus able to be on gross hormone from the beginning. But also, I had no idea that um, the medication was so expensive and that we were able to get it for free. That is, I mean, such a huge privilege. Like, I am well aware of how lucky we are. And I know from the Discord server for Turners that I'm on that there are many, many Turners girls who are not so lucky. Right. We are definitely, we're very fortunate to live near a facility where, um, a doctor very high up in endocrinology was running this brand new study. So we did, we were very fortunate to find out about it and to be able to participate in something like that and, and to provide data that even today continues to change how Turner's may be treated, 
different things that they've learned along the way from girls like you who participated in the study. The only way that, um, me, you know, medicine advances with things like that is from people who take part in studies and their, and the data is recorded. And I mean, it can change the path of how they treat things with when they, you know, when they learn about different things, they learn about side effects or they learn about the other things that are associated with it. They learn, they, you know, all those studies there, they're a learning opportunity for current patients and future patients. So let's take a step back and maybe talk about what Turner syndrome is exactly, because while this podcast is targeted towards people with Turner's or Turner's parents who want some resources and advice with raising their kids and all of that, or their daughter with Turner's, there may be some people listening who aren't so familiar with the condition. So would you like to explain what exactly what Turner's is, mom? (laughs) Well, I'll say it from a parent's perspective of what I of what I remember and what I know. It's a chromosome abnormality that affects approximately one in twenty five hundred female births. Um, it is happens upon conception where not all forty six chromosomes develop properly in the, in the new fetus. So, um, you, for instance, you're considered a forty five XO, which means you are completely without one whole chromosome. There are right. various. I think there's three or four different types of turners. There's uh, a few mosaic types. Right. Where you can have a partial string of one of the X's or like in your condition, it's, it, the, it's an entire missing one. Right. So, you know, typically developing fetuses have 46 chromosomes. Girls with turners have 45 or 45 whole and a part of another one. Um, and there's so many different traits and things associated with every single chromosome in your body. So when it's a, it's a amazing, you know, study of biology, um, but the effect, and then I had never even heard of it. And when I found out this, the one in every 2,500 births, I thought to myself, wow, that's probably a lot more people than you think. Yeah. Um, so then I started going, I bet you there's people that I have worked with, people that I went to school with. You know, you start to really put all that together when you learn about something that you're kind of not forced to learn about, but you're, you know, it shows up in your life. So you, most people do a little bit of research. Um, you know, I come from a family who, as soon as something happens, because we've had some other medical things in our extended family and we research and we learn about them. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened. Your grandparents did research. Everyone did research and found out different things. And, um, you know, we continue to learn. Yeah. So my grandma and grandpa on my mom's side have four kids. And basically the joke is that out of all four kids, one of the grandkids, one of, or my cousins from each family has some sort of mess of medical issues. And I'm the one from our family. <laughs> <laughs> and and I want to say that we're saying issues as like a neutral term. You know, it's not a it's a complication. It's an abnormality, mm-hmm. but it's not a bad thing. It doesn't ruin your life or by any oh, means. Oh gosh, no. Right. So right. yeah, I I would like to make that clear with the verbiage we're using as well. Well, so, and I always say that, you know, everyone has something. Right. Right. I mean, the human body is so complex and complicated. It's actually pretty rare for everything to be perfect. Mhm. Most people have something. And there are a lot of various side effects and developmental issues and, you know, medical issues that can be associated with Turner's that are not exclusive to Turner's, but there's simply a higher percentage amongst the Turner's community that have them. 
even physical traits, some of which I have, such as crooked, uneven elbows and um, a low hairline in the back, things like that. But I also, my grandma, uh, my mom's mom happens to have a few of those things as well. So it's hard to tell what's genetic, what could have potentially come from my turners. We tend to have a short, broader stature, especially short stature. And I come from a short family. My mom is five foot one and a half and or five foot one. And um, is it, do you have that extra half inch? I forget. <laughs> I've always been told I was five one, but someone once measured me. So close enough. Okay. Someone, someone measured it at five, one and a half. So yeah. In, yeah. in comparison, I'm four foot 10 and a half. I'm always measured between four foot 10 and four foot 11. So that's why I joked that had they not taken that break of growth hormone, I could have been four foot 11. <laughs> but my growth hormone actually only got me up to four foot nine. My final inch and a half approximately came from spinal surgery. So one of the complications that can be associated with Turner's is scoliosis, which unfortunately kind of contradicts and conflicts with one another because as you're being put on growth hormone and they're trying to get you as tall as you possibly can be, it can affect the growth of your spine if it's growing crooked. So I had spinal surgery at 14, almost 15, because my curve was very, very bad. And that's what gave me my final inch and a half. So without that, who knows how tall I, or short I would have been. <laughs> I'm never going to be tall just for my genetics, even if I didn't have turners. My sister, who is um, four foot 11, doesn't have turners. So like, it's totally luck of the draw. I mean, generally speaking, if you come from a tall family and have turners, you're going to tend to be quite a bit shorter than the rest of your family, but you never know what the growth hormone is going to do for you. So it's very case-by-case, individualistic basis, and I just happen to come from a family that fits a lot of the turners' traits already in my genetics, so it's very difficult to say, like, oh, this I got from turners, you know, compared to, oh, this is just my, my gene pool. Right. Right. And a lot of those characteristics, you're, like you said, Katie, are seen in the general general population. There's just a higher percentage of them mm-hmm. um, in females with Turner syndrome. So um, you had to stop your growth home hormone earlier than the endocrinologist wanted you to because of your scoliosis. Right. They did want it, you to be doing the injections a little bit later, but because of that, they said we had to stop. Because it was just getting worse and, you know, you were braced for three and a half years and it didn't make a difference. And you had an S-curve, so you had two different curves. Right. And it was definitely becoming very apparent in your posture, um, mm-hmm. the unevenness of your shoulders and yeah. things like that. And it, I mean, you, you were still feel- playing sports at that time, but it was becoming more challenging for you with your posture. Yeah. And you feel it. Like I can say from experience, you feel it when your spine is that crooked. It actually can physically hurt. And I still deal with back pain once in a while. You know, when I'm stiff, when I'm not stretching enough, I have to stay on top of that because or else I get back pain. It's like a sharp pain where my curve is. Yep. And they're not able to completely get rid of your curve. And I'll do a whole episode talking about scoliosis because it is a higher percentage of Turner's girls and tell my whole surgery story. But yeah, it's not fun. It wasn't, I'm very self-conscious about my height to this day at 22 years old. It wasn't fun getting the news that I really wasn't going to be any taller and my last inches were going to be from spinal surgery, which can totally 
vary how much you get from it. The maximum, I believe they said, was four inches from it, which I didn't get close to. But I was hoping I would and cross five feet. (laughs) But that's all I ever wanted in life was to reach that five foot mark. Didn't quite get there. It's just a number. I know, but (laughs) just to have a five in front of it feels better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what your grandmother says too, because she did not reach the five foot mark either. <laughs> right, so it's definitely right. in your gene pool, like you said. Yeah, we're a, and short, we're a short family. Yeah, well, both you and dad are short, and my extended family. You know, my your dad, my grandpa, is tall. So two of you kids are short, and two of you are tall. Mm-hmm. My my auntie Di is what five foot seven. I mean, like mm-hmm. she's pretty tall for a woman, and my uncle Jimmy's like six foot, like his dad. So yep. it's, it's so interesting how genetics work. And once again, like, and I'm always, mom is always calling me out because I'm always like, oh, I wonder who I got this from. And she's like, Katie, you're <laughs> your own individual person. You don't necessarily get everything from someone. That is true for all people to remember, regardless <laughs> of if you're born with something specific like Turner syndrome or not, you don't get all of your characteristics. You know, you can't. You can't go, who did I get this from all the time? It, I mean, you know, genetics are genetics, but you just have to be who you are. Right. And uh, we will get into, like, I would love to do a specific episode on being a teenager with Turner Syndrome and some of the body image and insecurity issues come into play, which has been a huge thing with me that I've done a lot of work to get by, but also mm-hmm. still deal with as a young woman. It can be hard because we tend to have a, like I said, shorter, stouter build that doesn't necessarily fit the beauty standard of society, the tall, thin model, so to speak. You know, when I looked up that the average model was 5 foot 11 and weighed like 120 pounds, I was like, okay, that's never going to be me. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it can be hard to deal with and hard to process that you're never going to have the body type or the shape that you want at least height wise you know like size wise it can vary more but height wise most likely you're not going to be tall you're not going to have the long legs so to speak the model legs all this is very you know arbitrary stupid kind of social conditioning in the first place that like you should work through and um I encourage any young women or girls with turners who are listening to this to not fall into that trap because I did very badly for years and it really did a number on my self-esteem and you mom watched that yes I did even just the experience of being in the hospital all the time or around doctors and feeling like you're broken feeling like there's something wrong with you malfunctioning with you um especially if you're one of the vast majority of turners girls who is infertile you know, it can be hard to to process that. So that is what this podcast moving forward is going to be all about. This is more of an introductory episode to talk about raising a kid with Turners and what it's like finding out you have Turners and all that, um, or that your kid has Turners as a parent. If you were like me and discovered as a baby, obviously you're not going to remember. <laughs> That's like a running gag in this episode now. <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> is there anything more you would like to say, mom, about what it was like dealing with having a kid with Turner's? Well, I mean, again, you you learn what you have to when you're faced with certain situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you do your research, you ask. Um, as a parent, 
I highly encourage people to seek out medical professionals who actually have experience in Turner syndrome. So yes. for instance, when we, when we relocated out of state and we're looking for a new endocrinologist, we, um, you were a preteen, the first mm-hmm. place I went to, they just, they didn't have enough experience with it and all the side effects that go along with it. And, and so we ended up not staying at that doctor. You really have to advocate as the parent to find the best possible care in your area that you can. Um, we ended up traveling about an hour to the the bigger nearby city that just had a doctor who had a lot more experience, had a lot more patience, and had chil- you know turners of all ages, ranging from young children all the way up through teenagers. And um, you stayed at that practice until you were twenty one. So right, we were very we were very satisfied, but. Uh, it, it is one of those things as a parent, you have to remember that, you know, you have to be your child's advocate and not let them call the shots because kids don't understand, even when they're preteens or teenagers, the long-term consequences of not having someone to help them down the path. Because it's not easy. Some of the things that Turner's girls, I mean, there's things that you didn't have to deal with, Katie, that a lot of girls do with the hearing loss and, yes. you know, the possible um, cardiac issues and the, you know, different things that are, have a higher percentage in in girls, like with the horseshoe kidney and different types of things. And it's not always things that you can see. So certain chromosome abnormalities, you can really say, oh, that person has ABC because they have all these physical features that are associated Mm -hmm. with ABC. Whereas Turner's is a very, um, Down syndrome comes not, to mind, where it's a more visual. Correct. It's uh, Turner's is not an obvious um, chromosome abnormality. It's not super obvious because a lot of the side of or, or a lot of the things that you have are are also found in the general population. Right. So the short, you know, the short statue being like the prominent part of it, but there's a lot of internal things and. I mean, things are, <laughs> there's lots of traits associated with that missing chromosome, not just physical traits, the way that your whole body is hardwired. You've, there's some social things associated with Turner, some yes. relationship things. So there's a lot of little tiny things that you really have to um, remember as a parent that are associated with this. So your child can have a, a fabulous year in school one year and the next year just have like a super duper challenging year because their body is continuing to change and maybe it's not changing the way that their peers are changing. And so that causes other um, things to, to come into play as well. So it's forever reminding yourself and you have really have to keep all of it top of mind. And there's a mindfulness that you really have to remind, keep reminding yourself of. So even though it may not be physically obvious, you always have to remind yourself and be and just remember that there's other things going on that are not physically noticeable. Right. And that just comes down to a general societal message of like not judging a book by its cover. You never know what someone has going on. We say that all the time driving down the road and not yelling at people or judging people. You know, right. they could have just had someone in their family pass away. It's like the number right. one example that you always give mom. Um, yeah. But you it's don't a know very people's real stories. You yeah. never know other people's stories. Right. You don't. You don't. So when you see somebody who, who is struggling socially 
with friendships or things like that, you kind of have to always keep those in mind going, okay, well, these are some struggles that are more apparent with Turner syndrome, or, you know, that's what we're talking about. Obviously today it's apparent with other things as well, but it is definitely, um, as a parent, something you have to constantly be reminding yourself of. So that is the advice that I would give parents of all ages, not just young, newly diagnosed Turner girls, all parents of all ages of Turners, even into young, young adulthood, like you are, Katie, young adulthood, there are still Mm -hmm. things that I have to remember to keep top of mind about all the things you can't see. Yeah. All the things that are associated. Yeah. Social cues. We can tend to have a hard time with those. Um, Mm -hmm. I, to this day, cannot do geometry. And one day I went into the doctor and they had did this little test where I believe it was like a sideways rocket ship or something like that. And I couldn't recognize what it was. And they asked, had me look at it, asked what it was. And I was like, I can't tell. It looks like just a series of shapes, you know, a triangle and blah, blah, blah. And then you looked at it, mom, and said, that's a sideways rocket ship. And my mind was blown. It was a mirror image that you had to to do. It was, I believe it was a, it was a reverse image. Yeah. Yes. It's about making that mental flip, which is what geometry is all about. And that's something that we can also struggle with. I would love to learn how to play chess. I cannot play chess. It's not even fun for me because I, I'm not just bad at it. I visually cannot understand it and visualize the board. Like those people who can play, like we watched the Queen's Gambit together and oh my gosh. I was gosh, thinking the same thing. Yeah. The way that she, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, what's her name? Beth. I believe her name is Beth. Um, can visualize the board and all of that and like play out the game in her mind. I could never do that. I can't even see one step ahead. I'm like just totally overwhelmed and I can't do it. So that's another common Turner thing as well. And I, I had no idea about it until they did that little mirror image test with us. Well, we, I mean, you had, we, it was very obvious that your spatial awareness was challenging for you, Mm. even when you were a toddler. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Transitioning from the grass to the tar outside, or you didn't like swinging that motion, that free motion swinging because your spatial awareness was challenging for you when you were little. And I'm still like that to an extent. I don't like losing my stomach. I don't like, I don't have a fear of heights precisely, but like uneven ground kind of anything where I'm not on solid ground because I don't like ropes courses I had to go to one of those during school and I had a total breakdown oh my goodness um I don't like the ice I don't like ice skating because it's slippery and I can't get you know stability I like that stability and I think Mm -hmm. that's related to that spatial awareness stuff that's like my biggest fear yeah Yep. The spatial awareness stuff was always challenging, riding a bike and all that stuff, that free feeling, like even swimming, that free floating feeling. And, you know, that's always been a struggle for you, but that it's just like one little tiny aspect of development and, you know, all the little strings and things that get attached to um, that. And so that makes it even harder for Turner's girls because they have to adapt to all those, those weak, weaker areas of development whether it's occupational needing occupational therapy for holding a pencil for penmanship there's just a lot of little things associated with that missing chromosome that people don't think about and you know in certain age groups it's hard because peers are very judgmental of each other each other in certain grades so you know it's it is a lot to go through and you know just to be mindful that everyone has their own things that they're working through and to be patient with 
We were very patient with you. We also knew when we had to push you out of your comfort zone because yes. of we had we had to do it with swimming. We had to do it with riding a bike. We had to do it with quite a few things to push you out of your comfort zone, even with driving when you get older. Oh, yeah. Yep. I so, still don't like driving. <laughs> I know you don't. But you do know how to do it, don't you? <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of have to to know when to pull back and when to push a little bit. But that's parenting regardless Always. of Turner syndrome. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know. So I'm working on setting up social media pages for this podcast, for this show. Once I do, everything will be in the description. Thanks so much for listening.